You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, we're going to talk all about the Kansas City Royals and the fact that they have ended their winning streak by dropping a game to the Detroit Tigers. Because Jacob Junis, who I was positive about yesterday, went out there and could not get the job done. Uh, the Royals lose uh, six to nothing last night after having a strong start to the first inning. Couple couple runners on. I thought it was going to be a good day, uh, and it was not. You end with five hits on the night, but you did get six walks, which you know, or five walks, excuse me, which for your lineup is is pretty good. But Junis was not pretty good. Junis making the start in place of Danny Duffy, who got into some issues off the field. He's with the team now. It's unclear when his next start will be because we will see Brady Singer tonight and we'll see uh, Chris Bubich on Friday, uh, and, the, and the rotation will continue to turn without Danny Duffy. But Junis in his place last night was bad. Two and a third innings, seven hits given up, and he also gave up the five runs in those two innings. Not very good. Not very good at all. Gave up a walk, two strikeouts in a home run. And then Matt Boyd, <laughs> who was leading the league in home runs allowed, who has been an abysmal pitcher for the Tigers, goes out there and with five and two third innings, only gives up the two hits, only gives up four walks, strikes out five and does not give up a home run. Matt Boyd, truly sat down this Royals lineup. That is that is a big indictment of this lineup. And, and, and last night, it was truly a microcosm of the season. Uh, you, you play six really good games in which, uh, if you only watch those six games and you go back and listen to my preseason predi- predictions, you would understand why I made those predictions about them being in the hunt and about this lineup being competitive and about the bullpen being improved and the young starting pitchers. But then you watch last night and you would take all those predictions about a competitive lineup, about a good pitching staff, and laugh at them because it did not come to flourishing last night. Mondesi goes 0 for 4, uh, cooling off a little bit, but still a nice September for him. Uh, Perez joins right back in the fray off the IL and has been hot since returning. Uh, goes 2 for 4 last night. But other than that, Nicky Lopez is a multi, excuse me, Whit Mayerfield's multi hit game. Nicky Lopez is the only other player with a hit besides Perez's 2 and Merrifield's 2. Lopez got 1. And Lopez also got the two walks, which is huge. You know, walking and getting on base is the most important part. Uh, but they could not drive anyone in last night. Had some chances, especially with Mirafield in the first. Don't know what he was doing running on that play. Also don't know what he was doing not sliding on that play. Uh, but this has just been who the Royals are. I mean, they give them they, – they, they battle back. They win the sixth straight. And then you drop a game to, to Detroit in which you have to win this game. 
If you want to finish above the, above Detroit, you cannot lose a season series to Detroit. And that's what uh, they've done so far this year. So they continue to lose to Detroit, which is not something I would have predicted. Before the season, I predicted that it was laughable for all these people to be picking the Tigers over the Royals. I even predicted that this team in Kansas City would be a lot closer and even have that eighth playoff spot, uh, which obviously they do not. The Mariners are closer to a playoff spot right now than Kansas City, as is Baltimore and the Angels and the Tigers. So uh, even after the six-game winning streak, you sit as the third-to-last team in the league. Not good. Not good at all. But there have been, there have been more bright spots about September than not. Uh, games like Tuesday are going to happen. You're hoping that today Brady Singer can bounce back and Brady Singer can kind of build off of that, that no-hit effort he gave you uh, in Cleveland last week as the Chiefs dropped the banner. Singer goes out there and has a banner night himself. That was awesome. Hopefully he can do that against, against Detroit and salvage a, a split of this series. It's only a two-game set. If you didn't know, off day Monday, off day Thursday, and then they'll get to their weekend series and just finish out this season strong, hopefully, because they have Detroit tonight. They have a three-game set with the Brewers coming up. They have the Cardinals coming up, and then they're back to the Tigers to end out next season, uh, this season, I should say. So this is going to be, you know, an important game for Kansas City. You can look at it that way if you want to, in the sense of just pride finishing above Detroit. Uh, you're going you're to need as many wins against Detroit now as you can get. But ultimately, again, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, really, for the sake of building a team, you almost want, want the Royals to lose. I mean, get that top pick. At this point, get that top pick. What's the difference, besides me being right, I would love to be right, but what's the difference in catching the Tigers for these, you know, they're up two and a half games right now. What's the difference in catching the Tigers and finishing fourth and me being able to say I'm right versus just tanking these final 12 games and getting the best overall player in the next, in next year's draft. I, I think that I would much rather have the top pick. But I do want to see Brady Singer go out there tonight and absolutely shove and, and play a great game against the Tigers. Your lineup tonight is pretty standard. Merrifield, Mondesi, Perez, Franco, Dozier, Olivieras, Mejia, Starling, Lopez. Yeah, I don't really like Starling in that lineup again for, another, for a second straight night. Uh, you send down Ryan McBroom, but keep touting out there Bubba Starling. And personally, I would rather have McBroom up, but that's a conversation that I understand why some people are upset about that. I'm upset about that. I would much rather have McBroom. But being truthful, neither guy is a part of the future. Starling isn't. McBroom isn't. Neither one of those guys are everyday players on a playoff slash championship contending team and I have to specify contending team for reasons that we'll get to after the break but first I gotta tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar because Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar go to BuiltBar.com use promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off that first order Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar with 100% real chocolate on the outside they are great for pre-workout post-workout or even as a meal replacement you're gonna love yourself some Built Bars, so try them out today. I love the banana nut bread uh, option. They also have some, some great new flavors out there with a new design, new recipe. You're going to want to try some Built Bars today at BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON, $10 off, and while supplies last with every order, 
you're going to get a free cooler. It's great for the keto diet. Again, it's a protein bar that has no chalky aftertaste. It's easy to chew. It's soft. It's everything you want in a protein bar because it tastes just like a candy bar. So if you want a nice treat while dieting, try BuiltBar.com and go there and use promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off that next order. And we're back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the Kansas City Royals and the future of baseball because it was announced today, something that I talked about uh, surprisingly enough yesterday on this podcast about you know the, the expanded postseason and likely keeping this format and all signs are pointing to a 16-team playoff being implemented from now on. So next year, you're also going to get the expanded format. Now next year, barring any sort of, of course, COVID complications, you're still going to have a 162-game season again. So you don't have the opportunity as much for it seemed like the Marlins, the Tigers, the Royals, if they could have gotten any headway against the White Sox this year. You don't have that opportunity for teams like that to make a mess of things and sneak in there. The Giants. In a 162-game season, it kind of all averages out, and you would see teams like the Reds, who've kind of disappointed, teams like the Brewers and Mets, who have disappointed. You would see them rebound. Again, the Nationals are sitting at third to worst in the NL. In the NL. If they had 100 more games to play, maybe they could have another turnaround like they did a year ago. In the AL, uh, it's pretty much good. I mean, there's not really a team that's underperformed. So the AL has not had the the disaster it, it, that the NL has. The AL has been pretty consistent. I mean, the teams outside the playoffs, yes, it's weird to see Seattle is like a game out and they're still 12 to play. And, and Detroit is a couple games out and they're still 12 to play. Same with Baltimore, same with LA and Kansas City is like four games out as we are ending the season when this team was projected to be awful in a 162-game season. And again, Kansas City has no chance to make it in, but they're still like four or five games out with 12 games to play. So with the AL, it's gone as perfectly as you can hope for. You've protected teams like the Astros, who have gotten off to a to a abysmal start. They sit at 500 right now. And we can talk about the cheating and everything else that goes on with Houston and the asterisks that goes on with Houston. But on paper, they're a much better team than the Marlins, than the uh, Mariners, than the Tigers, than the Orioles, than the uh, you know Angels. They're a much better team than any of that. So you'd want them in the postseason if you're baseball. They're going to sell. The drama of that is going to sell. And so you've protected teams like Houston. You've also elevated teams like Toronto, who is a borderline playoff team even in a normal uh, format. And they have the storylines of the young stars like Biggio, uh, Bochette, and uh, of course, Vladdy Jr. So in the AL, it's worked out perfectly. I mean, the biggest surprise is the White Sox bursting on the scene the way that they have so far. If we played 100 more games, the White Sox probably still make it in, but are not the number one overall seed, I don't think, in the AL if we played 100 more games. But in the in the AL, it's gone according to plan. I mean, before the season, you had predictions from people saying the Indians, Blue Jays, Astros, White Sox, Rays, A's, Twins, Yankees could all be playoff teams. And they are. Again, the NL is where things are a little topsy-turvy, where you see the Giants, who are supposed to be the worst team in baseball, they're in. The Marlins, same type of thing, they're in. 
and they're in pretty comfortably, the Marlins are. And then teams like the Reds, who you project to be good, the Mets and the Brewers, and the Nats, they're out. So it's a tale of two leagues right there. Uh, so I, I do like the expanded postseason because it will keep people interested, which is what baseball needs. So it sounds like they are going to keep this format, and I've seen a lot of people complaining about it, mostly of an older demographic, you know, saying, well, why would teams spend money now? Okay, that's stupid. When has Kansas City spent money? When has a team in a small market spent money? The people spending money are the exact same teams, no matter if we have a small playoff pool or not. This doesn't affect money. It increases money because you're going to get more playoff games. And look, look at what happened to Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City was begging people to go to the ballpark in 2014. Literally in August, they were begging people, literally begging, Ned Yost, begging. You fast forward a month, September 30th, the wild card game. That place was full. Kauffman Stadium was electric. That's the difference in just getting to the postseason. Get in there any way you can. And then you can have that magical run as you did in 2014. And even in 2015, as you were a better team in the regular season and people took you more seriously, you still went on a, a magical ride in which you should have lost every series you played in, but you found a way to pull it out because baseball. Because baseball. The Marlins this year can win the World Series. All you got to do in baseball is get in. It's not like basketball, where the Lakers take on Portland, and there's no chance. The Bucks take on Orlando, and there's no chance. There's a chance for every single team this postseason this year in baseball. That just elevates your revenue, because baseball fans will go to baseball playoff games. Casual baseball fans will watch baseball playoff games. In a normal year, in which we're not in this pandemic and there's no playoff basketball right now, Sports fans on Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even Thursday and Friday will watch baseball. If if your options Thursday, and again, take this as a normal year, there's no basketball. If your options Thursday were Bengals-Browns or Yankees-Rays in the playoffs, what are you picking? If you're a casual sports fan, you'd be more apt to switch over to baseball a little bit. Probably still going to pick football because football's king, but they'd have a better chance. Playoff baseball is where baseball really can make some headway. Again, hockey, same type of thing. Hockey goes up against the NBA playoffs every single year. And yet, even though I'm a diehard NBA fan, I still check out playoff hockey. I don't watch hockey in December, but playoff hockey is pretty cool. And that's what casual fans say about the MLB. Playoff baseball is pretty cool. That, that playoff baseball is pretty cool. So the more that you give them stuff that they think is cool, the more they're going to watch it. This is not going to hurt baseball's pocketbook. It's going to help baseball's pocketbook. And you can say, what's the incentive not to get better if half the league makes the postseason? The incentive to get better is to win a championship. But furthermore, again, Kansas City hasn't, spend any money, they've went to back-to-back World Series. The Kansas City game plan doesn't change. It's drafting well and hoping for the best. Tampa Bay doesn't spend money. They're a perennial contender every year. The teams that spend money, even with a the shortest 
playoff pool you have in sports up until this year in baseball remained the same. There was no incentive either way. People weren't spending money crazily in small markets. In fact, with these dumb owners that are in the box, if they get a fluky playoff run and they think that this team's better than they are because they don't know about baseball, they're just an owner playing with a little toy that they have, and that's a baseball team for an owner. It's just a toy. Then they're more apt to spend money because, hey, we got the eighth seed. Maybe these guys are better than I thought. Let's go Let's go spend money. I like being in the playoffs. I want to be there again. you got to give them that taste. That's a stupid take to act like baseball owners now have no incentive to spend money and no incentive to improve their team. Because most baseball teams improve their team via the draft. And no GM is going to the draft thinking, eh, let's just purposely draft bad because half the teams get in anyway. We're probably going to get in. Who cares? That's not how that works. Half the teams get in in basketball. The Kings desperately want to get in. The Kings make every move they can. They fire their coaches. They they, They try to draft well. They still can't land free agents, but they try. It was just so idiotic. But not as idiotic as Dave Roberts. And I'm so sick of Dave Roberts. I mean, this guy has the audacity to get onto the Padres. And I don't get why everyone hates the Padres so much. Every time you turn around, there's a new, there's a new freaking complaint about how the Padres are having too much fun. Nobody likes baseball for that very reason, because it's not fun. When LeBron dunks on somebody, he stares him down, pushes him, celebrates with his teammates. When, when, when Tyreek Hill runs into the end zone, he gives a peace sign. When Mahomes runs it in, dusts his jersey off and flexes on him. You know all these things. You can see it in your head right now. What does Witt do whenever he hits a home run? What does Modesty do when he hits a home run? That's the difference. You've got to captivate an audience with highlights. There's only so many times you can see a ball go over a fence. There's only so many times. But what the Padres do, having fun, being energetic, that changes things, that creates a highlight, that creates something to talk about. Instead of talking about that, we're talking about these old-ass managers who are just so fragile and so much of a snowflake that they cannot, un- they can- just can't take that you might have maybe disrespected their pitcher. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Dave Roberts gets on to the Padres' rookie outfielder, and I apologize for not having his name off the top of my head, hits a home run. He stares at the Padres' dugout, his own dugout. He stares in his own dugout, gets his own teammate pumped up, and, and then he also does what he's been doing all season. That's counting up how many home runs he's hit so far this year. And Dave Roberts says, I didn't like that. He didn't show enough respect to Clayton Kershaw. Give me a break. Clayton Kershaw, go pitch a postseason game without pooping down your leg, and I'll show you respect. How about that? How about that? I'm so sick and tired of Dave Roberts, of all people, is going to talk about how he he needs to see more respect. He gets one steal in the World Series game in which everyone knows he's running, and what does he do? He, He gives a little wink. That's personality. That's disrespect. That's disrespect, Dave. Sorry about it, Dave. You have disrespected the game. Dave Roberts, please. And for Dave Roberts to do that, while his own team, by the way, 
pimps every home run they've ever hit. Max Muncie, by the way, talks to Madison Bumgarner, who's a much better pitcher than Clayton Kershaw. Much better. Madison Bumgarner is. Call me when Madison Bumgarner, whenever Clayton Kershaw has the resume in the postseason, Madison Bumgarner does. Call me then and tell me about respect. All right? Madison Bumgarner gives up a home run to Max Muncie a year ago. Max Muncie hits it out of the ballpark. It's a moonshot. Goes into the bay in San Francisco. What does he do? Bat flip. Jaw jacking at Bumgarner. Not his own team, like, like, like the San Diego case. At, at Bumgarner. And then when Bumgarner has something to say about it, Muncie... Gets all defensive. Oh, oh, go dig it out the ocean then. Don't talk to me. Make a better pitch. Like, go, go tell Kershaw to make a better pitch then, Dave. If your guys can do it, so can the Padres. I am so sick of everyone hating on the Padres for having fun, for trying to save this sport that is on life support. It's the only thing worth talking about nationally. In the midst of the NFL, in the midst of the NBA, in the midst of a Stanley Cup, it's the only thing worth talking about nationally is the Padres. And at every turn, people within the walls of baseball are trying to tear it down. He needs to show more respect for Clayton Kershaw. Give me a break. Respect. This team wore shirts saying, go get it out of the ocean after showing up Madison Bumgarner to a Giants game. That's not respectful. Joe Kelly throws at Astros players over and over again and does a little pouty face. Mm, He's a little kid. Walks away while the Astros are trying to charge him off because he's scared. Starts pouting mm, and he makes shirts out of it. He wears shirts. He he go takes pictures at the mural of himself. That's not respectful. So everyone else can disrespect the game, but not the opponent playing you though. Not that. No, no, no. They've got to respect the game. They've got to respect Clayton Kershaw. And you know what? You should respect Clayton Kershaw in the regular season because when that calendar turns to October, the respect is out the window. I expected more from Dave Roberts, who again, as a player, was nothing but still had personality and has fostered a culture in L.A. that allows his guys, Bellinger, Muncie, allows his guys to have personality themselves on and off the field. I expected more from him. You got got. You threw a terrible pitch. Be better. Be better. It's funny that in a sport that is so old and has a demographic of fans that that whine and complain about the snowflake generation and participation trophies, that's the only sport in which they have these unwritten rules that you can't hurt my feelings. Again, when was the last time that we heard about a story like this? After a guy got got dunked on and embarrassed on national television. Sports are supposed to be fun. And the sports that have fun, the NFL, the NBA, those are the sports that aren't dying. Those are the sports that are succeeding. Sport like baseball, that does not encourage fun, failing at every turn. Be good and be good to one another.